It is a, uh, of course, a great pleasure and honor to be here with you guys. And uh, I guess kind of my first day in a sense, but I've been here so many times that it feels like home. You know. Yeah, really, for sure, real. Uh, I'm not sure what that says about y'all, <laughs> that you would adopt me. But um, I was, you know, when I was coming to the church, I was thinking, well, what's it going to be like? You know, because uh, I've never been a rector or been in the position of a temporary rector or whatever I'm, I am. So I was just anticipating maybe something, you know. And so when I got out of my car and walked up to the church, what I found was that it felt like home. It didn't feel anything really new or spectacular or anything. It just felt like coming, you know, to home. Although it is very new and everything. It's, you're already noticing I'm kind of don't know what I'm doing about a lot of stuff. Thank God for Brian over here that keep me straightened out as best he can. But Wayne, would you pray for the word today? Father, we thank you for gathering us together in your love and goodness. And we look to you now to uh, bless Father Ryan. And just that we just ask that by your Holy Spirit you would speak uh, yes. words that penetrate into our hearts and uh, and that change us to be more like you, Lord Jesus. Yes. We ask your blessing upon him and upon the word he shares in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as I was uh, trying to, like, I mean, I was trying to be a, like a really good pastor kind of thing, you know, and prepare a sermon with three points or four points or a hundred points or, or whatever. You know, if you're a Baptist, it's going to be three points. If you're a charismatic, it'd be a hundred to 150 points. <laughs> but, uh, at this time in my life, that's not me, you know. Uh, I like doing that when I can do that with the Holy Spirit, you know. But it's just not me at this time, you know. It's like this, you know. I I kind of have gotten to the place where I can kind of tell when I'm doing it myself and struggling with it, and when the Lord just kind of all of a sudden opens a word to me in some way. So anyway, I was, uh, uh, I came here. It was when did I come here? Thursday or Friday, to the church? Oh, yeah, I came to to Northport on uh, Tuesday. Yeah. So, but anyway, I come to the church to uh, have some alone time with the Lord and with all the best intentions in the world. You know, I was just like, well, God's so good and so faithful. I'm gonna have this awesome time, and He'll just like magically appear in the Word and uh, and all that. And uh, that didn't really happen, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> So on Saturday, I had the intentions of coming back down and doing the same thing, but uh, I got caught up into a internet running cable thing that uh, took forever. But the, the, the cable part did, it's just getting all the right tools together. <laughs> took forever. But in the process of, uh, of waiting for Father Ronnie to get all the stuff that we needed, you know, I was like, I started out mumbling to the Lord. I said, Lord, how am I going to have time? Because this is going slowly. And I'll, uh, to really spend some time with you and, and come up with a word for the church today. And so I just started reading because uh, I felt the Holy Spirit impression me to, to 
read Colossians and that there'd be something in Colossians, you know. And so I just started reading that and uh, the Lord was just so faithful, you know, was so faithful. I didn't have to read out the whole book, you know, just the first chapter. And it just literally was one of those things like, yeah, this is it. So I'm going, today my goal is to preach one of the best sermons you've ever heard because it will be one of the shortest sermons that you've ever heard. And I've always been told that short is better than long any time, that people enjoy much more. Thanks, big God. <laughs> Thanks, big God. All right, there we go. But, um, so let me just, just begin reading here. For, uh, Colossians, the first chapter. Um, and uh, beginning with the 25th verse, because uh, as I read this, I was like, wow, God, you're just so good, because this is the deal. Of this church, this church here, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God, that is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God will to make known what is the richness of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, when I read that, I realized, well, that's my calling, summed up by Paul. And so as being new to you guys, and I know that you have questions, like how crazy is he, you know? And what changes is he going to make, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, changes will be very minimal for a long time. Uh, I have to learn what I'm doing before I can make a change, you know, kind of deal. But this is my ministry, and that's what I realized when I read that: is that it's I'm called to this church now, you know, to this church, to you guys. And what is my calling to that? Well, my calling, and I hope this isn't a disappointment to anybody, my calling is not to be a theological genius or master of theology, because I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm what I call theology of the ditch guy. Most of my theology has resulted from running off into the ditch somewhere. Uh, so it's, I tend to be very, very practical. But what you're going to find for me is that most of the time, probably over 90% of the time, whatever I share with you will be Christ in you. It's going to be Christ in you. Because that seems to be something that has been really lost in the church. And that is that Christ lives in us. And what does that mean? And how do we walk that out? Now, it was, I had heard all of this teaching in the early 70s because a lot of, if you read a lot of Watchman Nee or Tozier and those guys they all talked about that that was all a kind of a, a thread that ran throughout everything that they taught is that it was Christ in you a life of faith but I could, didn't understand that as a, as a 22, 25 year old person it's like how do you do that you know, and it's only later in my life that I realized that you really didn't do it at all that it really was him that was living his life. You just had to give him time and place and be willing to spend time with him and be willing to repent quickly. 
as you realize that, well, I'm not doing so good right now, uh, letting him live his life in you. And the biggest part of, of that repentance is when you think you're doing good. You know, and the Holy Spirit goes, well, no, you're not really doing that good because you're doing it. You know, it's not me living my life through you. It's you living your life to the best of your ability by the knowledge that you've acquired by reading endless books and trying to follow endless formulas and endless amounts of rules. It's not me actually living my life through you and your personality. Because that was another thing. I always thought, well, you know, Christ is this. Whatever your, whatever your idea of what Christ would be if, you, if he was sitting next to you. His countenance, everything about him. And I always thought, well, that was what I would be. No, I'm never going to be that like that. Because that's not me. But, I, but his life, his, his basic life lives through me. And through my own uh, failings, as well as my own triumphs and victory with him. His life is being led in that. And it's being led through my particular quirkiness and my particular personality and all those things. Those are not the things that change. The things that change is the sin as we're set more and more free from the control of sin. The, uh, if you're a Bible flipper, turn to Romans uh, 8. And beginning with the 10th verse. And I, I have trifocals, so I never can figure out exactly where I can read from. If Christ is in you through the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is, spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs, and also heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. And so, you know, that's Paul trying to explain Christ in, living in us. And what that actually means, and what that should actually look look like. The uh, part that I want to look at is, is that uh, if Christ, in tenth verse, is if Christ is in you, through the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So see, Paul's letting us know that like we're not going to be perfect. You know, we're not living a perfect life. And when we get started, it's a process that is ongoing to the day that we meet Christ face to face. Mm -hmm. And somewhere after we die, we become perfected in Christ. No longer sin having any influence in our, in our minds and our bodies whatsoever. 
But too many times the devil takes that as an opportunity when we do sin and we you know, get a bad attitude or get angry with the Walmart cashier or the person on the phone who puts you on hold for like an hour and a half until you give up. Uh, that, that, that doesn't mean Christ isn't in you at all. It doesn't mean that he's not living his life. See, the real testimony of Christ living his life in you is actually really when you kind of blow it. And you realize you blew it. Now, you didn't realize that all on your own. Okay? It was the Spirit of Christ in you. Bishop used a great illustration that I'm going to butcher the other day that really struck me. Christ in us is always trying to bubble up and push out against sin and so we may be like kind of he may have gotten pushed up to here in us and then we do something or we fall or we make a mistake or whatever and then we feel like we've like you know that we're horrible worthless people and all but the fact that we are feeling conviction of sin that's again that's his life in us pushing pushing hard against that sin nature that's that he's overcome already and he's pushing it out always. Uh, the most miserable time in my life was not before Christ. My most miserable time in my life was after Christ. When I decided that I could do this on my own and I was done with Christ. Because, see, he's not done with you. Or he wasn't done with me. And so, you know, I spent several years in rebellion that way. But that life was still in me, even though I was denying him at every opportunity and at every turn. And it kept pushing. And it made me absolutely miserable, you know, because it kept pushing out against that until finally I, get, I gave back in. But that's the life of Christ in us. And that's how we know the life of Christ is in us, because it pushes against the flesh and against sin in us. Take a quick look at John 17. And I'm just going to, I'm reading just these scriptures and not, probably not connecting them greatly, but I want you to see that this is the, th the one that the most, or one of the most consistent themes throughout the Bible is Christ in, in you the hope of glory. In John 17, 23, uh, says, I, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So that's the purpose of it all. You know, we sometimes forget that God's purposes are not our purposes. We sometimes think and act like God's purpose is to make us okay, so that we're okay, so that we f are good with ourselves. And that's not it at all. His purpose is for us to glorify Him and for His life living in us and His presence in us to, be, to bring life and freedom to other people. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and preach on the street corners or anything. It just means that you live allowing His life to live his, live through you. And it would just automatically do that because it's him that's doing that, not you. 
And so just being aware of that and allowing him to simply live in us. This is really the whole Christian life. If you had turned to, to Galatians 2.20... And again, you're going to hear of this over and over, and I'm going to do my best to let you hear it differently until it's just become such a part of you that it is you, that it is that you have that, that you can walk in a true freedom. Because it says that he came to set us free from the bondage of sin and death. That's, that's pretty much everything at that point. And that's what he wants to do. But he cannot do that until his life is living fully in you because the flesh doesn't buy into that you, you know like uh, but when he's living and when his life is living there you're really free because you know that even when you fall that you're not in bondage that you have the get out of jail free card that's right there all you have to do is go Lord forgive me and that's it you don't have to jump through hoops of any kind. You don't have to do a whole bunch of stuff uh, of any kind. That it's just really that simple and that easy. Because that's the acknowledging of the flesh or the sin that besets us. And that when we do that, then that's his life pushing to be become out. And when his life pushes and comes out, it affects everybody around you. You don't have to say, you don't have to be like, you don't have to wear a t-shirt about it. You know, you don't have to like get up in people's faces about it. But you just kind of do the things that Jesus did. You kind of like let that person in line ahead of you that's got one item and you've got a shopping cart full of items. Just things like that. I can't not tell you how many times in Selma that I've seen that have such an impact mm -hmm. on people. Especially because Selma's like 80% african-american to have a, a white guy offer his place in line because they had an arm had a, maybe an armload of stuff you know and i had stuff in a basket and sometimes i've had less stuff in the basket than they had in their arms but i had it in a basket and so that life in me just said like come on now cut this poor guy a break you know let him go ahead of you you know, and to see when offering that, they'll always say something like, are you sure? And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, you see that there's something that happens. Now, I didn't have to tell them, yes, in Jesus' name or yes, by grace of God or any of that. Just they experienced a little bit of Christ's love mm -hmm. because it was pushing out of me because that's not me. You know, and I recognize that. That's not me. When I'm in the flesh... Mm -mm, it ain't happening. If you got more than me, I'm going ahead of you. I don't care. You know, I want to get out of here kind of thing. So that's Christ living his life in the little deep things. That's Christ living his life when we're in relationships with people and it's not going so good because they're doing something or not doing something or whatever that's become irritating to us. That that life of Christ begins to push and push and we recognize that it's Him pushing. And we give, let Him then lead. And that means giving in or being okay or blessing them in some way or whatever. 
because it's his life now. And we recognize that, that knowing the natural my flesh, no, I would probably have something ugly to say, or at least something not nice, or uplifting or anything, rather than being uplifting and blessing them in that. That is Christ. That's not you. You know, the flesh is the ugly. Christ is the lovely. You know. Uh, I said that backwards, didn't I? Or doubled it up or something. So in, in Galatians 2.20, it's one of my favorite verses that I've, uh, for, for many years since in the, in the 70s, says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's the Christian life in the nutshell. That's the thumbnail version. That's the one verse version. But in that is, is everything. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So what does that really mean to us? What does, how, does, how do we live faith in anything? You know, faith, the, I don't know which great preacher came up with, but said, somebody did, said that faith untested is not really faith at all. So when are you living this faith? The life that you live. You live by faith. When is that happening? That's really happening when you're not doing the best. Because you keep believing. You keep trusting. Is that yes, you may have stumbled this time. The flesh may have gotten ahead of you in some way, with an attitude towards somebody or, or with each other. Uh, but you still believe. You still believe that you have been crucified with Christ. And that it's no longer you who, are, who can live, but it's Christ who lives in you. And that the life that you're now living, even though it's not a perfect life, it's a life that you live by faith in the Son of God. Then why do you do that? Because He loved you. He loved you and gave Himself for you. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.